Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? He's talking about spoilers. Warning, this podcast contains a multiverse of spoilers about the show's What If on Disney Plus, FX's Why the Last Man, and just general geek outs over the new Matrix Resurrections and Hawkeye trailers. I think I randomly spoil some stuff from the Hawkeye comic uh, by Matt Fraction and David Aya. Uh, just be warned, there are spoilers inside here. Hello! Welcome to episode three of X-Ray Vision, the Crooked Podcast, where we delve into the nooks and crannies of your favorite shows, favorite movies, comics, and pop culture on today's episode. So much news has broken in the last week, and we're going to cover it all from the recently released Matrix Resurrections and Hawkeye trailers to the premiere of Why the Last Man on FX. Then on X-Ray Vision Multiverse, we pose our own alternate timeline and discussion of the first five episodes of the Disney Plus show What If and its comic origins. And finally... Special treat for y'all, X-Ray Vision is pleased to offer an interview with Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings star Simu Liu. But first, let me introduce this week's co-host. You can find her scholarly writings on matters large and small in the worlds of film and comics and entertainment at places like IGN, Nerdist, and Esquire. Please welcome back Rosie Knight. Rosie, how are you? Oh, I'm so good. I'm so happy to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's been a crazy, it's been a crazy week. Yeah. All around, but a crazy week for comic news. And I can't, man, I can't wait to talk about it. We were already laughing about it in pre <laughs> Let's just get let's just get to the news quickly. First, the Matrix Resurrections trailer has dropped. At first, there were initially these little video offerings on the Matrix website that were you could access through a bunch of hoops that you could jump through. But now the trailer has dropped. The film directed by uh, Lana Wachowski hits theaters December 22nd, 2021. Uh, it will be streaming for a month on HBO Max. The trailer brings back your second or third favorite chosen one, depending on the franchise. You get Neo. Uh, Trinity is back. Yahya Abdul-Mateen uh, takes over as Morpheus for Lawrence Fishburne, uh, who just is doesn't want to do it anymore. And Neil Patrick Harris plays a therapist with some very questionable motives. I'm excited for this. I loved the first two Matrix movies. The second, the third one was like fine. <laughs> but let me t- so. Did you, what was your, uh, did you have any connection to the Matrix movies? Yeah, yeah, I, I love the Matrix. I When I was growing up, I was actually really into like Kung Fu and Hong Kong cinema and stuff. So when I saw Same. the Matrix, yeah. I thought I was really cool because I understood what Wirework was or whatever. Yeah, but like, <laughs> I was a kid when it came out. I watched it on VHS at my dad's house in Hackney. And I just remember thinking it was so cool and scary. I love the techno thriller of it all. Like as I've yeah. grown up, I really love knowing like Jeff Darrow, who's this rad cartoonist. He was really involved with doing the character designs. Like it, it melds a lot of stuff that I love, like anime influences, Kung Fu, John Woo, all that 
kind of stuff. So yeah, I was very, very, I, I thought the trailer was really cool. I really like how they kind of embraced the things that Keanu does now. Like it feels more John Wicky. It's a little bit less it techno-y. It's, it's this yeah. guy who's stuck in this world that he kind of doesn't really fit into and he's going to go on this mission to the past. So I, I like those echoes. I feel, And I thought that the action that they teased looked really good. So I thought it was cool. I agree. Uh, I thought that uh, Trinity was dead, but like that's, <laughs> I'm excited to see how we bring her back. So the original Matrix, I had, I missed it in the theaters because people forget this now, but I think at the time it had one of the more confusing like promo marketing pushes that I've ever, like I couldn't figure out what the movie was about from the commercial but then everybody was like oh my god the matrix it's star wars it's star wars for this generation i was like okay i, I got it so i skateboarded to blockbuster <laughs> and i rented the movie and i rented a vhs player because i didn't have anything to play it on so i had to rent you could rent vcrs from blockbuster at the time it came in like this huge like carrying case and I rode with all that stuff back on my uh, on my skateboard, and then I watched the movie, and I was like, "This is dope." It's funny that you mentioned the Hong Kong influences. I had a, uh, my nerd friend at that time, this guy Keith, that was my comic book Hong Kong movies uh, nerd stuff friend, and he was like, "Oh man, it's not." It's not authentic enough. Like Yuan Woping, it's he did uh, <laughs> like, obviously like if you have him choreographing, it's awesome. But like, I, I'm not sold on on Kia. like he was his. It's this was like the the nerd conversation that I would have with him was like it's not it's not Hong Kong authentic enough, which was really funny. Anyway, I'm excited for this. Um, I think it makes sense to bring back the Matrix, and I I again like I, I think you're right. Like the aesthetics. The vibe, it, it's almost like a lot of people on social media were like getting at me like, have they merged? Like, are the John Wick Matrix <laughs> universes, like, are they overlapping? Yeah, it feels um, like, I mean, the truth is, if John Wick hadn't have been such a massive success, you probably yeah. wouldn't be getting this movie. So it is like, at least not in this version with Keanu. So I feel like right. that make sense to kind of embrace those things where does it fit in the timeline who knows like I thought who knows? Was, I thought it was so funny when people were like oh you know because Lawrence Fishburne said like he wasn't invited to be in the movie yeah. and then you have Yaya who, who I do love and any movie that puts Yaya in a suit yeah. I love that I love Black Manta I loved him in Aquaman I just a candy man he's great but also like I don't know if he's gonna be Morpheus because like here's some fun yeah. uh ridiculous thing that's definitely not canon but when they launched the Matrix online game Right, he, he died. He died. They he killed dies. He gets shot. <laughs> they killed Morpheus. They kill him with some nanoparticle bullet too. That yeah. like a hundred percent, like he is dead, dead, dead. And it was meant to be like this huge event, but then you know the game folded or whatever. But I, I was when when I saw this younger iteration and this kind of idea, I guess of you could have multiple versions of the character because of the way the Matrix works. But I did think that would be really funny if they brought in this canon that like that version of Morpheus had died. <laughs> Right, or yeah, they just like have like a cached yeah. version of the younger Morpheus or exactly. something. Uh, Lana Wachowski said at the Berlin International uh, Literature Festival of Keanu's reaction to the film, quote, casual brilliance, just kind of rolls off Keanu and he was just sitting there and he goes, 20 years ago, you told a story in which you described the coming 20 years and the problems of the nature of digital virtual life. 
and how it was going to impact us and how we think about it and gave us a frame to be able to think about it and talk about it. And you took the same character and the same stories and the same stuff and somehow you made it about the next 20 years. So that's exciting. I, I will say, you know, like, I hope it explores the central paradox of the Matrix to me, which is that the heroes of this story want to destroy, necessarily want to destroy the Matrix and free humanity. But what makes the story cool is the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Like, like what made the second and mostly the third films really not yeah. that cool was like all the shit happening in the real world. Like, I want the Matrix. So that will be interesting. I'm excited. Uh, next. Uh Lots of, like, big Marvel DC video game news for nerds and for people like us, basically. Because we had Spider-Man 2, which people didn't know was coming. And after Miles Morales, I think, is probably the most anticipated game now. Absolutely. Miles Morales somehow managed to step up that first Spider-Man game, which playing that was, like, a revelation to me. I could never imagine that you would be able to actually swing through the skies and then i love the adaptations they made for miles moving it away from the police and stuff like that making it more yeah, moving it away from the police was great yeah, yeah moving it away from important. the police was great <laughs> <laughs> and like that's gonna be ps5 only um which is bad for me because i have a ps5 but i'm gonna have to get it because there's more than one game i want now um venom that's the other big thing yeah venom in the game super super exciting insomniac uh the developer is like hard carrying playstation exclusives right mm-hmm. now um so that is super exciting i hope somehow they make venom playable be that as as it may as the big bad as the big boss of that game should be really fun yeah. I, i'm really excited and i think it's gonna be like peter miles teaming up and they did right. say they're only gonna have it's not gonna have like a co-op mode which i think a lot of people want it but um yeah you know i understand that because the quality of the gameplay that they're getting as yeah. a single player, is like so unreal that I understand why they can't necessarily compromise that. Also, they came out really strong because they were like, by the way, we've got this surprise Spider-Man 2 game, like sequel to probably the most famous superhero game of all time, but also Wolverine. And every 90s kid was like, oh my God. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the game that I've been waiting for since I was a child. Yeah. No question since like, uh, you know, the x-men uh arcade game i played it all the time uh super fun uh you know this is insomniac doing this is everything i've ever wanted i i have some questions about like i guess it's gonna be like a lot of robots or something because i can't see like decapitations being uh, (laughs) being in a uh you know rated uh whatever for everyone game e for everyone um but uh i'm excited nonetheless this is gonna be super fun man yeah uh, I, I i this is literally what i've been waiting for and it's for my entire life it's got a really cool team like evan narcisse is gonna be a writer on it uh mars yeah. morales and i think one of the other main writers from mars morales is on it and i thought they did the tease was so good like if you haven't seen it it's yeah. basically just wolverine in a bar the graphics look unreal you're getting real uncanny badly vibes you got to see his arm hairs and everything and then he just somebody tries to start a fight and his little claws come out <laughs> It hurts every yeah. time. Yeah, he's he's ready. I want to. I'm so excited about the fighting. Like fighting mechanisms on games, like really starting for me with Arkham Asylum, but going to Spider Man and, and Miles Morales. Yes. They're just so intuitive, and that's going to be so good with Wolverine. Like all the moves and everything. But like you said, who's he going to be killing? Because I can't imagine that they're going to make this a a GTA esque like blood and gore, killing lots of people kind of game. Yeah, Arkham. Um, that mechanic, the kind of 
very simple but very addictive attack counter dodge mm-hmm. mechanic that made it a kind of like a beat matching game in a certain way. Yeah. And uh, the uh, Shadows of Mordor games also use this kind of mechanic. It just is so addictive. Yeah. And it's the same in the Miles Morales uh, Spider-Man mm-hmm. and the Spider-Man games. Like, it's a very similar kind of mechanic. So if they can figure out the right kind of fighting mechanic for Wolverine, yeah, that will be amazing. Like, I, I, I literally can't wait. I used to, I, I would play hours of Arkham Asylum, just yeah, like the beat-em-up where you fight 50 guys like <laughs> modes because it's just super super it's so, I, i'm really excited. and also like i know i don't want there's so much more stuff to cover but like when you think about the spider-man games right both of them the amount of characters they manage to include in those games is so cool so when you think about wolverine and you just think about who you might see in it and the different characters you might get to play as or play against that is just i'm sure it's going to be logan-esque stripped down like not too many but they are going to put some deep cut x-men characters in there Definitely. I mean, we have to see, we have to see Silver Samurai. Mm-hmm. I feel like it has to be in there. Yeah. And it will be weird if Sabretooth is not in there in some, in some. Yeah. In some. Point. I feel like he has to be in there because like it's they're going for that whole Western kind of vibe. Right. So the brotherly drama, it, it always fits in, you know. And I also think whatever is going on with the MCU now, Marvel and everyone is very aware that for a lot of people, those X Men movies are the formative versions of right. the x-men like especially if you weren't really around for the 94 cartoon you know the yeah. the the x-men 92 stuff so like yeah it's, it's very interesting i i cannot wait for it and then it's like basically anyone our age was getting blessed because then they were also like yeah uh we're starwars.com was like oh we're gonna make uh knights of the old republic remake the game that everyone had been asking for for like a million years so the only not the only reason but the primary reason that i have an xbox is to play the kotor backwards compatible which Mm -hmm. i I, I was in the midst of doing when this news came out and good finally (laughs) like i like that's all i have to say is finally i can't wait like just reskin the game and leave it as is it's Mm -hmm. perfect like the the only thing that's missing is updated graphics and if they do that like i can't i cannot wait yeah i mean the uh statement on starwars.com reads announced at playstation showcase 2021 star wars knights of the old republic remake we'll see the classic rpg return as a playstation 5 console exclusive Sorry, Xbox. <laughs> At launch and for PC, Asper, the Texas-based studio that has collaborated with Lucasfilm in various projects for over a decade, including a recent spate of well-received re-releases from LucasArts era, is handling development and rebuilding the game from the ground up. So, yeah, yeah, it seemed super like super excited. It seemed like this was coming ever since they started doing like Jedi Knight stuff like that. So, yeah, but when will they remake Masters of Terakazi? That's the real question. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the real Star Wars fans want to do. <laughs> Um, yeah, but Warner Brothers, obviously, they weren't to be, like, you know, left out. I was hoping to see something from Gotham Knights because I love the yes. look of that game. Didn't get that. But one of their biggest releases in comics and video games, I mean, it started as video game Injustice. They yes. were giving, like, they released the first trailer for the movie, um, which is based on the comics, also, which came out of the video game. And it's so this is what the announcement said, which was on screen ramp, was based on Tom Taylor's graphic novel Injustice, Gods Among Us Year One, itself based on NetherRealm Studios' 2013 game Injustice Gods Among Us. The film would depict Superman going on a violent rampage after death of Lois Lane and the humble child at hands of the Joker. That's, I, I have to say, I actually think Tom Taylor's the comic book writer. He, uh, I think his 
biggest secret skill is taking something like this, like Deceased, that should be a tie-in forgettable thing and making it some deep story. I was I was like, this can't be good. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. Like, I, oh, they're doing a comic version of Injustice? It can't be good. No. Uh, it's good. It, it's it's good. good. And not just but that, it, it became like a huge yeah. smash hit. I personally will yeah. say, I do not believe, this is one of my deepest beliefs and my problem with, I actually love Injustice because I love Mortal Kombat and, and I, I love yeah. like Mortal Kombat, but with superheroes. But I do not believe on a base level that Superman would go on a rampage if Lois and his kid died. Superman is about I, love. I, he's about forgiveness. He's about hope. I don't buy it. I don't buy it here. I don't buy Injustice League. I, but- the movie does look really good and the cost is stacked. And I think people are probably going to love it because DC Animation is really rad. Yes, is really rad. It has been uh, hard-carrying Warner Brothers DC mm-hmm. content, honestly, for a long time. Yeah. I agree with you. You know, read All-Star Superman. Like, it's, mm-hmm. I don't... Superman is an, is a, a hero, is the, is the hero. Like, there yeah. is just... And DC in its video properties has kind of not been able to find that tone mm-hmm. yet of Superman, but I'm still excited for this. I'm still excited. Yeah, it's going to be cool and badass. And that the, the stuff that they've been doing that's more adult, the, the Mortal Kombat movies they've been doing are super fun, super violent, super out there. So I think that they'll bring that to Injustice and I think it will be really cool. Uh, next. So Marvel uh, was releasing this one shot called Timeless that was going to introduce uh, a it's basically going to introduce an audience to Kang as they're setting up Kang as a big bad for phase four in the MCU. A good idea. The artist on this was uh, Joe Bennett, whose work on uh, with Al Ewing on the Immortal Hulk has been some of the most exciting, weird and like body horror creative art currently available at big two comics like super super great unfortunately joe bennett has been removed from that uh from timeless uh because we have learned now that uh joe bennett is a fascist (laughs) (laughs) joe bennett uh joe bennett why (laughs) why joe bennett so joe bennett uh had slipped a uh, anti-Semitic reference into Immortal Hulk yes. in the past, and he kind of like explained it off. It was it was uh, pretty explicit though. It, it, was, it was pretty, pretty explicit. explicit. So so the image is is a banner at a at a jewelry store, and in the background there is a a, a glass window, and there's writing on the glass window, and it says instead of jewelry, jewelry. And I think that was even a Star uh, of David, maybe. I yes. Think, yeah, it was. And then later, Joe, uh, more recently, Joe uh, released some pro uh, uh, Bolsonaro, the president of Brazil, the fascist uh, president of Brazil, released some pro Bolsonaro art on social media that uh, showed uh, Bolsonaro killing people with a sword. And yeah, and the people he was killing were like anti-Semitic caricatures. It was, yes, it was a lot. Big noses, the whole thing. And I think the the worst thing about this, which is, isn't this the way with the internet? It was actually from like 2017, but it was like, we only found out about it now because somebody shared it. And so I think at this point people were just like, oh, it's like, oh, this is not, an because obviously he explained away, oh, it was a misspelling. This, you can't really explain it away. You are putting, you can't, you're, you're putting your propaganda art on the side of fascism and the art is fascistic it's really really bad uh yeah. al ewing took to twitter on september 2nd 
to basically apologize. Um, uh, he said, Immortal Hulk is done, but I won't be working with Joe again. If people choose not to pick up my work with other artists in the future on the basis of my handling of this, I understand and accept that. If I've lost your trust, that's on me. Basically, a mea culpa for not uh, standing up to this sooner and more authoritatively. But I think Al, I don't think anybody blames Al for this. That said, it sucks in the sense that Immortal Hulk really is amazing. Like, I don't, it's a hard, the the tagline for Immortal Hulk, which is Hulk is now, Hulk can't be killed. He has uh, reverted back to his original mode of, of turning into the Hulk, which is it happens at night. It's, existential and scary and it it explores like every aspect of hulk and what it means to be hulk it's yeah the multiple personalities uh the origins of the of the gamma radiation how the gamma radiation affected uh bruce bruce's own psyche in a way that builds on the kind of like earlier work uh, the the kind of like earlier developments of Hulk and Banner as like these multiple versions of of Banner. It's really really cool, but yeah, Joe Bennett is done now. The replacement for Timeless <laughs> is one Greg Land. So Greg Land is uh, he's he is he's done a lot. He worked on X Men. He's worked on a lot of uh, comics, particularly for Marvel, over the years. Greg Land is divisive, not divisive in a in a kind of like problematic, certainly not in the sense of Joe Bennett, but divisive <laughs> in the sense that uh, so he got this gig because they need clearly Marvel needs to hit a deadline. Yeah, right? this this comic has been announced. It needs to come out. It needs to set up Kang and it needs to happen on time. And he's very reliable. Uh, one, for them. <laughs> he's very reliable and and the reason that Greg Land is very reliable and the reason that he's divisive is that he is known and he's kind of infamous for using basically for tra- for using uh, guideline images that he then bases his comic panels on. Yes. Uh i.e. tracing and listen every artist does this. Yeah. To some extent, also, every artist working does there's this. There's new but, ways of doing what, it. They have poser. There's all different ways that yeah, people. Not, different, no one's right. sitting there like Walt Simonson and R. Adams in the old days on a bit of paper. But <laughs> right. let's be real. Where does where does Greg Land trace from, Jason? A, a Greg Land very often traces from erotic or <laughs> adult slash pornographic images. Uh, he has been <laughs> he has been caught doing this numerous times. I he's toned it down. Let's mm-hmm. be clear about mm-hmm. this. He's toned it down. Yeah. But he's kind of infamous for this. <laughs> and and as such he has gained a reputation much like Rob Rob Liefeld for being this kind of like we hate him but also we get it. Like it, it's just very funny to replace yeah, Joe it's, with Greg it, it's really funny. really funny. And it's like, it's so Marvel right now that I was just yeah. like, yeah, of course. Like, of course that's what's yeah. going to happen. But it is funny though, especially because like, I'm a fan. Like, I, I love a lot of like sexy comics. I have cheesecake yeah. artists I like. I have yeah. I have like actual, like legitimate, like X-rated comics I like. I love Gilbert Hernandez. I love all different kinds of stuff. But But like, it is really funny to see like an, you know, it's Jean Grey, but she's like traced from like a sexy porn star and she, and you're just yeah, like, right, what yeah. is going on? Like, yeah, what is this? What is going on? Yeah. And I guess now- <laughs> like the tracing issue has become, as the internet has moved forward as well, like the tracing issues definitely become like more 
prominent like people because it's easier to catch it's 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 way easier to catch and and again every artist does this but greg's influences and the way he uses these images is just a kind of like a a degree more blatant Mm -hmm. than the way other artists use it like it's uh, artists other critics and other artists over the years have quite easily found the original art that Greg is basing his stuff off of. He's been accused of plagiarizing in the past yeah. by other artists. Like, And that's the bigger issue is like, you know what? If you want a porn trace and Marvel's going to pay you like $800 or whatever, like right. good for you. Yeah. Like good to yeah, Disney good for you. owns them. Like good for you, whatever. Like yeah. there's yeah. other artists that I wish they would have put on this book. There's so many incredible artists that I wish would get a regular Marvel book or a one-shot Marvel book. But you know what? But yeah. the issue is like you said, if, if you're plagiarizing like another artist's work and then getting paid for it, that yeah. is fucked up. Like that, and that's that's, that's where the issue that's is. That's where yeah, he was called out. Uh, uh, he was called out by Tristan Jones in 2020 um, for uh, basically ripping off art from uh, the Aliens omnibus. Mm. So this is around. This is like this has been around. At Marvel is not dumb. They understand what Greg is doing. Yeah. But again, like one of the things that derailed Marvel in the 90s and was a big problem for basically its entire lifespan from the seventies up to the nineties was blown deadlines. Like this was a, this was a company that, that was consistently like late on delivering comics to uh, printers and, you know, uh, this is uh, later, but famously like ultimate Wolverine versus Hulk was delayed like 500 years or something. (laughs) It was like a six, it was a six issue limited series that like stretched out over four years or something like that. Like, and it's like, it's the problem is like it's a bigger it's like it is you do have to find these artists who can get you this stuff fast right which but it's also yeah. a bigger problem of like the exploitative industry where people don't have protections yeah. they don't have real deadlines yes. so you can a letter is getting the book two days before it's meant to go to print because the writer didn't know yeah. and then the artist is so yeah. it's like a comics is like a fake business that's what me and my friends always say like <laughs> loads of us make comics and we always say it's like it's a fake business like you wouldn't believe that this stuff could happen but it does like i'm sure there's people sitting here right now who are like this guy does not trace for important you know what um he, he does, does. <laughs> yeah, i mean like you just go go greg land trace on google and, and you'll find it. any number of our you'll yeah, find it it's it's funny because marvel actually has like a long tradition of of famous older artists um or like um, i guess not older but like male artists of a certain age who, who love to trace i i always remember that invincible i think it was like an invincible iron man book where dr doom and the whole book is just um it's just vincent cassell and then that's I, I think there's <laughs> yes yeah, yeah and then there's like and i can't remember who the character is but one of them is tommy lee jones and you're just like, my guy, I don't think you can do this, you know? And I think the only person who actually ever properly leveraged that was Sam Jackson. When, oh, yes. Because his uh, people just called Marvel straight away as soon as that ultimate Nick Fury book came out. And they were like, hey. Yeah, Bri- Brian Hitch, uh, 100%. Uh, yeah, I think Mark Miller 100, even. 000%. I think Mark yeah, Miller even just said, like, they admitted please it. do it. Yeah. Like, please do it. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting jump. But this, it's not all bad news in the world of Marvel. It's not all weird, right. sad, tracing. Uh, <laughs> Poor <laughs> tracing. <laughs> uh, they, they, there's a new book coming out. We think, when we were talking, we think it's going to be a pretty big deal and is seeding some big stuff. So it's Jason Aaron and Aaron Kuda doing Avengers Forever. Yeah, Jason Aaron is kind of like the writer right now at Marvel. Yeah. And Aaron Kuda is... 
uh, we were discussing this in the pre-pro. I love his style. It's kind of like he he is like it's he's like a child of Art Adams, who was my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when I first got into comics, there's something like cartoony, uh, but also very very detailed yeah. about it. Super super fun and like the cover art. Go go Google it now. Is so fun and exciting yeah it's like where's waldo for people who love marvel like you can just spot and it doesn't matter what i love the most about this cover is literally if you did not care about marvel at all but you just watched what if and for some reason that was what drew you in you love animation you can look at that cover and there is captain carter and if you just love wandavision you can look at it and there's monica rambo but there's also you know there's tony stark ant-man (laughs) <laughs> yes. there's there's uh who did you see on this speedball there's beast you know yes. there's all Speedball's there's all different like... kinds of just bonkers characters you've got wonder you've got your main but it is unreal aaron kuda's art is like this beautiful like you said it's like this intricate cartooning but it has so much personality that every character has a different facial expression and there's so many characters and um so marvel.com like if you're interested in it basically it sounds very multiversally relevant right now and it, and it begins with a quest for comic cosmic vengeance ghost rider uh, i believe it's robbie reyes ghost rider finds himself roaring through the wasteland on a ruined earth where the great age of heroes never came to be where hope is a four-letter word and where his only ally in the coming battle against the greatest villains any universe has ever seen is the world's most wanted archaeologist tony stark the invincible <laughs> ant-man I love Tony Stark as Ant-Man. It makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. And again, anytime I see Speedball, the new universe, (laughs) for those who remember the new universe, was an attempt. It was basically like an attempt to to do Ultimate Marvel before Ultimate Marvel launched this kind of like new generation of heroes. and And Speedball was kind of like the flagship hero. He bounces around like a speedball. And uh, anytime I see him in something, I'm like, I'm glad they're keeping up with this guy. I'm glad that he's still around. It's going to be super, super fun. And it's uh, titled Avengers Forever, which is a direct reference to uh, the the very well-regarded Kurt Busiek, Roger Stern, uh, late 90s, 12-issue limited series that is, you know, a lot of the Kang stuff. Mm -hmm. If you want to understand Loki... And the introduction of Kang, Avengers Forever is a great place to do it because I think it's like issue 11 or maybe 12. Kang basically is like, okay, here's the deal with me. And he mm-hmm. lays the whole thing out. So if, like, if you want to understand Kang, check out the uh, late 90s Avengers Forever. I'm trying to think, but like maybe the best thing going at Marvel during that late 90s like collapse era. Yeah, it's, one of the, it's really interesting to look back on that era and, and the stuff where we know like when the boys went to you know, found image and everything and kind of the way yeah. the boom and the bust was happening. Yeah. It's really interesting. The cool stuff that snuck through the cool, weird yeah. ideas that, and then a lot of these creators, they say that, you know, the eighties, the nineties, they didn't know these were going to become multi-billion dollar properties. Like you were just making an idea that would make, make someone want to pick up yes. the next issue. And in that way, some of this stuff becomes really, really cool. And, and unexpected. I agree. Like that, the kind of like post bankruptcy era Marvel, I think, is s- some of the most creative stuff happened there. Whether it's Black Panther and Marvel Knights, mm-hmm. or or Avengers Forever, or like Ecstatics, X Force yeah. Ecstatics. Like, there's just a lot of fun stuff. Well, yeah, Joe Casada like had this space where it was kind of like 
you could bringing in like these really cool cartoonists that he knew and making work that maybe wouldn't have been able to be made in the Rob Liefeld like era, you know? And like you got really weird stuff out of it. Frankencastle, you know, Punisher yeah, Frankenstein. <laughs> I love Marvel Knights. Obviously Marvel Knights so yeah. bloody cool. And I think that stuff's going to become yeah. like really, really uh, intrinsic to what's going on. Yeah, I think forward. the moon, yeah, the moon, I, I would expect that, Obviously, there's been various incarnations of Moon Knight, but I would expect that what we see from Moon Knight um, is adapted from the Marvel Knights mm-hmm. Moon Knight stuff. I, I, that's my expectation. Yeah, I think that the, I think it's going to be. I think that's going to be the major source point, and I also think they're going to have to do not necessarily like a Watchmen level reconsideration, but they're definitely going to have to be very thoughtful about the things that they're doing and the way that they're taking on the character because there's so much yeah. there that can, can kind of go wrong. Yeah, that, but I'm sure we'll talk right, about the that men- when the mental, is going to come out. Yeah, the <laughs> mental health aspect of, you know, we'll table that for now, but the mental yeah. health aspect of Moon Knight uh, needs to be handled in the right way. And I'm excited to see how they do that. I think after WandaVision and their, their exploration right. of trauma and different kind, and still centering all different kinds of stories within that, I think I, I've got hope that they could do a cool version. In recent news, uh, we were recording this on a Tuesday. Uh, yesterday, the uh, trailer for Hawkeye limited series on Disney+, Plus, which launches on November 24th, uh, dropped on the internet. And man, it is a lot of fun, clearly adapted from the Matt Fraction and David Aya mm-hmm. uh, solo title that really like redefined Clint Barton as a character in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. If you want to pick up a great, great comic that you don't need to know a lot about other things that are happening in Marvel Comics, even at the time or that came before, pick up Matt Fraction and da- David Aya's Hawkeye. Yep. It is great and like everything about it is fresh and fantastic it's like there are uh themes of like gentrification and like uh, working class strife and uh it is incredible yeah. there's a great uh there's a great dog in it and david aya's <laughs> art i think oh, his art no is one just does, so unreal no one no one does layouts yeah like Ah, yeah. No one from the art, from the way he does his panels, from the the cadence of the pages. There's an early page in issue two where uh, Clint is hanging out with Kate Bishop and they're training. They're just firing arrows into a dummy. And Kate is asking him a question. And as Clint is drawing and firing, the thing she is asking him gets spread out Mm -hmm. like letter by letter so that you understand how quick... Clint's reactions are how fast he is with the bow. It's so cool, and there's a million things like that. Uh, I'm really and, and and from the trailer, it seems like a lot of that is in there. Definitely. A, a ton of it. There's this. It's the only way you can do a Hawkeye show. Look, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I was kind of mad at how good this trailer is because I don't want to care about Hawkeye. <laughs> I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that Hawkeye, that man Hawkeye, that Jeremy <laughs> Ren Hawkeye. He can be gone. I don't. So when I saw yeah. this, like I was felt personally attacked because one, that comic is amazing. Two, like, it's a Christmas show, and I fucking love Christmas movies, shows, whatever. Like, I love that shit. It's got big diehard energy, but also, like, it's... I think the only way you can legitimately make this show is to take from that series, because there is stuff, like you just said, right? This is going to be... We get to see a lot of cool stuff in these Marvel shows. The WandaVision show, for example, I talk about it a lot. I could not believe how much they took directly from these those really amazing miniseries in the 80s. Yeah, But this is a, I think that they're very smart to look at this book 
and know that there is stuff that they are going to basically take straight from there. Because let's be real. So straight from. You got issue 11, right? Which is the Lucky the yeah. Pizza Dog issue. Or from the or oh from Lucky's perspective. That is going to be an episode. And if it's not a whole episode, it will be at least half of an episode or a recurring thing. It's an iconic issue. You can't not do iconic. that. Iconic. Lucky the Pizza Dog. Again, like pick up this comic. Pick up the trades. Go to your mm-hmm. local uh, comic book shop and pick up the trades. It's worth it. The Lucky the Pizza Dog bottle issue is one of the greatest single issues in comics history, like ever, 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 ever. It's from the perspective of the dog, and that's all I'll say. But the storytelling and the way David cracks the code on how to tell this story Mm -hmm. through the perspective of the dog, it's it's unbelievable, and it's so good. And I agree with you. It's just gotta be yeah it's gonna be a, that like and, a bottle episode and lucky is in the show we know that they released a poster with lucky on it like he had to be in the show he if he's not be. in the show then i'm not watching nobody's yeah, gonna watch it. and something that i think is like really amazing about that book right so the book deals with hawkeye and deafness which is throughout his yeah. that's throughout his storyline but it's on and off again yeah. it depends and that's never been in the mcu but we know it is going to be in this show because we saw him wearing hearing aids and also they yeah. cast an actual deaf indigenous actress called Alakwa Cox to play Echo, who's a deaf indigenous hero. And I'm so stoked about that. I am stoked for that. That's just... I love this. And the thing that I think, another thing that I think is really cool about this is like, so when the Lucky the Pizza Dog episode came out, every issue came out, everyone was like, this is really cool. And I think there was like a little bit of thing around deaf people being like, well, this is the only episode, this is the only issue that's like, seems to want to represent that lack of communication, but it's from the perspective of a dog. Lo and behold, eight, epi- yeah. eight issues later, they do an issue that's a sign language issue. Yeah. And I just think like, and that issue as well, uh, issue 19, unbelievable. Like one of the coolest issues and one of the coolest ways of showcasing like visual storytelling and yes. how you can change the communication in that way. So I feel like, one also I love I think Haley is like perfect casting as Kate Bishop. So really I'm really excited. I just think there's a lot of potential for this to be like not only really cool, fun, diehard esque like holiday magic, but also like a kind of step towards a, 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 a deaf representation that we've never really seen in any like rarely any TV shows, let alone superhero. Yes. Which is just so cool. That is really exciting. One small aside. <laughs> So uh, apparently Kate is introduced in this uh, show. Uh, she comes to Clint's attention because she is wearing the Ronin mm-hmm. costume and she's out there doing stuff. It's just so hilarious to me because like, <laughs> I mean, listen, I love Clint <laughs> and he's been through a lot. I do not love him. He became, he became a fucking serial killer. Can we just he like admit this? Hiroyuki Sanada. He didn't just kill Hiroyuki Sanada turned down being in John Wick 3. He turned down being in John Wick 3, playing the the Mark Dacascus part, to be in Avengers Endgame and to get killed by serial killer Clint. I will never forgive it. I will never forget. I hate him. I don't want to see his redemption. Clint went country to country to country. Killing brown people. Murdering. Specifically. (laughs) What the fuck? Clint, what? And then he's just like, yeah. Like, I, again, it's, this show is going to be really fun. <laughs> and it's, but it is, it is really funny to me how we just like move past yeah. Clint's time as a legitimate serial yeah, like killer a, a serial in the killer MCU. with a mass murder, like a Ted Bundy level. This is like <laughs> hundreds of people that he's killing. And like, I, I will never forgive that. I will never forget 
seeing Hiroyuki Sonata, who's like maybe my favorite actor of all time, but definitely like up there on the red carpet for that movie. And they're like, what did you feel like when they asked me? He's like, well, who says no to a Marvel movie? Like it's a Marvel movie. Of yeah. course you want to do it. And they killed him in like five minutes. Iconic they actor. Him in and five you minutes. saw this at all. Clint, Clint as if, sorry, that's never going to happen. First of all. And like, I, yeah, this is my dream for this show. I just want him to just like die in the first episode. And then it's just like Kate Bishop and Alacqua Cox. I don't, Kate Bishop, I'm too old for that. I'm like, I, I don't need to see it. I, my hope is the one thing I thought was at least a bit good. If you're not going to deal with that, which they are not. They are never going to deal, deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not going to deal with that it. That Clint killed like 500 people. But it's like, okay. Well, he it was, was upset blip, about his family. So, you yeah. know, whatever. Yeah, it was a blip. Um, it's fine. But you know what? I kind of like that they're making him a shit dad. I'm like, if that's all he's got, yeah, I don't want right. to see him have some redemption arc, whatever. It's like, if he's just letting down his family and then we don't have to right. see him again after this and it can just be Kate in the Young Avengers and Alacqua's Echo, like, cool. But I will never forget. I will never forget what he did. And then when they bought the Ronin costume, because I think the rumor was that, like, Echo would at some point take that on yeah. after Kate. But Who when I saw it, that? I was like, <laughs> why? I was like, Kate Bishop has yeah, one why? of the most iconic costumes A of contemporary costume. Marvel history. Like, nobody needs to see that Ronin costume and remember what he did. Like, is she a serial killer fangirl? Like, when she said to him, she's like, I'm so, oh my God, you're Clint Barton. Like, I remember when they released the description and it was like, Kate Bishop is like obsessed with Hawkeye. I'm out of every Avenger. Like, please, I know. that's never going to happen. I know. I, and one more, you know, like, I don't want to speak ill of the dead <laughs> and criticize the dead, but uh, Natasha did really just stand there and not do anything. Nope. While Clint murdered mm -hmm. half a dozen guys. Those two, they were always off. They had bad vibes. Now she's got, he, he did the wrong thing anyway. Like in what world, in what, I don't even rate Black Widow. I don't like her in the MCU. I don't like that whole thing is just not for me. But I was even mad when she sacrificed herself. I was like, for this serial killer, you're going to let, you would be better off if, if you care about his family, let him go off the edge. And then he's not going to kill his family. Because honestly, you don't know that that's not going to happen. Like, this guy just killed so many. What if his, his daughter smoked some weed one time? Is he going to kill her because she's a criminal? Like, this guy. Florence, Florence Pugh uh, is confirmed in this. Mm. Not in the trailer, but uh, we're going to see this. Not worthy. We're going to see her uh, as Yelena. Uh, so for those of you who are like, uh, Yelena is uh, the better uh, and less murderous Natasha, although we don't know the murders that she's carried out. But she was under mind control. Yeah, she's, she's cool. She will be in it's this. It's Florence Pugh. Uh, uh, one thing that absolutely delighted me was Rogers the musical. Mm -hmm. Like I, I tweeted a bunch of song names. Let me just quickly pull them up from my version of Rogers the musical. I think we opened with just a kid from Brooklyn, oh, that's obviously. Good. Then we go the flagpole, uh, G Captain Phillips, <laughs> uh, my shot. Uh, Steve's not throwing away his shot of Super Soldier Serum. <laughs> Star Spangled Man with a Plan. We get the reprise of yeah. Star Spangled Man with a Plan, which is kind of like the the, the uh, part where Steve's like, "Oh, is this all there is to this?" Heidi, Heidi Ho Hydra. Oh, that's good. Till the end of the line and our dance. After all this time, the sacrifice play, and then finally, you getting sleepy. I could do this all day. And then we get a uh, uh, till the end of the line reprise at the end. Wow, that's my. Uh, that's what I think. That the, is the, why the, you will end up writing on a marvel tv show and i will forever just be sitting here laughing about stuff because literally the only no, song the only song i came up with i was like 
That's America's ass. I was like, that's the only America's song. A- that's the only song. America's I care ass. About. America's ass feels like so. You know how in Greece, the Broadway. Sh- so uh, the end song in Greece, the movie. I got chills. Yeah, yeah. That was written. That was written for the movie, and as a kind of uh, band slash drama kid nerd, I played in the bands that backed the plays at school. We were all really pissed because the you couldn't play the song because they didn't include it with the <laughs> because they wrote it they wrote it directly for the for the movie so the rights there's a whole rights issue and basically you can only play the uh, music from the Broadway play. I think that that's what happens with Rogers the Musical. I think when they adapt Rogers the Musical for mm. for the film version in the MCU, they will have America's <laughs> ass like as the end song, the big like number. But it won't be part of Rogers the Music. Yeah, it's not part of the serious like Broadway musical. Of course. There's emotions to be had there. Yes. Um, and then next up, the first three episodes of Why the Last Man have dropped on the internet. You can watch them uh on Hulu through FX. And these are adapted from the uh, well-regarded and critically acclaimed comics from Vertigo, written by Brian K. Vaughn with art by Pia Guerra. I have watched the first three episodes. I've watched the first six episodes. What do you think, Rosie? It did not answer my biggest question about this show. Sure. Which is, should you have made this show? Does this show need to exist in 2021? I don't feel like that is, what I saw answered that. That would be my... Yeah. I, I feel like it's a very well-made show. It, but to, it looks great. It looks great. But you know what the yeah. truth is? When I think about Why the Last Man, which obviously was like such an iconic book for people like our age, people a bit older than us, people yeah. a bit younger than us, that was like the Vertigo book. That is like the... Yeah. When I think about that, even aesthetically, like I think of like Pia's art and I think of like the colors and it has that comic book feel. To me, the biggest immediate issue of Disconnect is it just feels like The Walking Dead. And I understand why you do that because The Walking Dead is right. so popular. But the that, right. that gritty, dark, even the setup, the way they changed it kind of gives it more of that vibe. I, it, I, it's not a show that excited me in the way that I hoped it would. But again, I I do feel like for this show to work now, it has to be an almost like Watchmen level reconsideration of what it means, what you're really dealing with, rather than just like another apocalyptic show. And that for me is is kind of what I got. I think that's really well said because my initial reaction is this is too much of what is actually going on. Mm -hmm. Like if I... You know, it's about a plague that uh, wh- that kills every holder of the Y chromosome. Uh, all men die. All male animals die. Like th- th- wiped out, and the only survivor from the men is this character Yorick and his monkey ampersand. And what happens now? What happens to the world? How does America carry on? How does the world carry on? I, it was a little. And what are the political ramifications of that? It felt so present that it felt like, man, if I want to catch this vibe, I'll just watch the news. Also, I think one of the things that like kind of bumped me in the comics, there's a level of emotional sustain that makes sense for that medium. What I mean by that is 
Yorick is confronted with this massive death, incredible loss. He might see someone's brains blown out right in front of him. Someone dies in his arms. Two panels later, a page later, if that if he if that energy seems to have faded away, we don't think about that because it's a comic. Uh, it makes sense that the characters would have moved on. In the context of this show, it's hard to escape that Yorick is just an asshole. Oh, like he the, sucks. He's like, the it, absolute worst. It, 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 and it's really, every time he's on the screen, I'm like, this fucking guy. It's like, listen, everybody has died. And you're like, I need to find my girlfriend. And yeah. like, I'm complaining about shit. It's like, dude, you have no responsibilities. Your mom's trying to run the country. Like, what are you, and you're sitting here complaining about like, like your life and stuff. Like, this is so out of touch. And in the comics, that kind of made sense. And there was like a quippiness and a, and a breeziness to the horror that to the horror of the con of yeah. what was going on in, in in the in the world that felt right for a comic book and and made it and and created the kind of tone that made it a critically acclaimed uh, book taking that directly to live action it's really hard man and again this guy is york just fucking sucks he sucks and i think that the other thing is like so something really sp like important to point out, right, is like, so every like cis man dies, right? But that yes. also means that a bunch of trans women die. And it's, there's all these yeah. different, the way that we ex talk about gender and explore gender has changed so much. And in the original comics, that's like one of its biggest flaws when you read it back is it has, yes. it's very sensationalist and like tropey around ideas of different gender, different ideas of gender and, and, and the way that people um, would be affected by this Y chromosome. So it's very bioessentialist, whatever bullshit. But like, I don't feel like it, there's still something about the original version of Yorick that feels kind of like, I don't know, maybe it was the era of the time, but him being a jerk it kind of fits. You're like, he's this unlikable, like he sucks. He's right. just this average guy. But 20 years later, when those guys are like ruling the country and every story is still yes. about them, it doesn't feel that way. It's like, I don't, I understand now why they were thinking of casting Barry Keown, who from like, yeah. um, cause he's a, he's a creepy, good, weird actor. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, I was like, if you're going to do Yorick, but you know, Yorick sucks. And like, we're left in this position where the last cis guy on earth is this just the worst dude who's so ungrateful for it and you're knowledgeable about it. I was like, that's interesting. But instead they cast, they've recast Hunky Yorick and, and you're meant to care about him and he sucks. He's not even a good escape artist, which doesn't make any sense because him being an escape artist is important to the story going on. I agree. That would have been really, to your earlier point about like, taking it to a Watchmen level where you're making a different kind of commentary on the world now. Mm -hmm. Um that would have been really interesting, and maybe that happens. Like, a, a kind of subversive take on this regular cis white guy. He's the last one left, and he's not up to it. He's not up to any of the challenges of the world. He's not up to the responsibility. He's trying to shirk it, and doesn't this suck? Yeah. Like, this is him, and this is an average guy. Like, this, mm -hmm. is, this is, we're surrounded by these guys uh, in our current life. And I think that that would have been cool and subversive. It's, but I agree with you. They're not. That's not what no, they're it's, doing. They've just what they're got doing Hunky is... Yorick, and he. They want him to be the next Rick Grimes or whatever, and he's just some guy. Like, and I will say the one thing I think is really good about the show 
by a mile is Ashley Romans as 355. The agent. One she of, is great. She's great. She needs to be the protagonist. She should be of the, the protagonist. Show. Protagonist, like the, yes. she's the best character in the comics. She's the yes. best character in the show. Um, I really didn't like what they did with Hero, who in the comics is that's Yorick's sister. Right. She's this complex. She's an EMT. She struggles with addiction. She's trying to get her life together. In this, they randomly made it where she like murdered her lover before everyone died, and then they were like, and now she's gonna have to live with the guilt. And I was like. Why? Like, one, if she murdered him, then what about we just get to see her being so stoked that she got away with it because nobody cares? I would be interested to see that. And two, why did she have to murder him at all? Like, I, I don't get it. I didn't get it. I guess that's the uh, setup for her eventually joining the Amazons. Mm-hmm. But, like, listen, just as a structural thing, they released the first three episodes, which to me is like a red flag because it says hey, this should really be one episode. The, w- what what a single episode of the show should do, which is launch you forward into the story and wa- and leave you wanting more and wanting to know what happens. It's actually three episodes that does that do that. And, w- uh, you know, the first two episodes, it feels like kind of nothing happens for a long time. It's just like introduction, introduction. And the introduction of Hero, in, in much the same way, it's like, so we go to that, we have her commit the murder. And then we just that just goes away like we never we don't come back to that i guess we're going to meet her eventually when she has fallen in with the amazons but like it just feels like what happens in episode three that should be episode Mm -hmm. one like that should that's how the story should start it just is a lot of setup and i'll say this and this is a spoiler so for those of you who have not read the comics and are going to do it maybe pause or something but if they pull off a 355 Yorick romance in this show, it is going to be one of the greatest accomplishments <laughs> in storytelling history because Yorick is such a piece of shit that I just can't see it being believable. Yeah. Yes, he is the la- literally the last guy on earth. But like every time he opens his mouth, you're like, dude, shut up. Please. And please put a fucking leash on your monkey. Yeah, like that's the that's the other thing on my reread is, I I it really hit at the time. Like that comic again in the post nine eleven era, it was like, it was why, like why the last man, uh, uh, Scott Pilgrim, and The Walking Dead were like the the critically acclaimed comic series that like you just had to read. But like looking back on it after the third or fourth ampersand escape put a fucking leash on the Mm -hmm. monkey tie a rope around the monkey why are you (laughs) constantly letting this monkey escape dude yeah yorick is yorick sucks and like i don't know i just i was like hopeful the show it's not for me basically and maybe there's someone out there who's gonna be like really interested in this deep like political kind of plot lines they put in but it's very american centric which i understand on a budget level but it's also very different from the comic and um yeah i just i'll be interested hopefully they'll maybe do some really subversive stuff i think they really wanted to plan for it to be five seasons so there's a lot of time to yeah. to explore that but yorick sucks and like you said there's a real plague so no thank you <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's very very tough. There's a real um but listen uh I didn't love The Walking Dead either. Me, that know, wasn't for, for me either. First, but it wasn't for me. But like, uh, who knows? Yeah. Like, maybe it it finds an audience in the same way that The Walking I, Dead found a massive audience. I do. I do have a Walking Dead dream though, which is like 
So okay. okay, so I don't I don't really like the Walking Dead show. It's not for me. Um, but when Robert how Robert Kirkman got the Walking Dead picked up by Image, he was like driving one of the founders around and he was pitching them this comic and it was a zombie comic and they were like, No, we don't want a zombie comic. So he told them the twist was it was actually an alien invasion comic. And that the aliens were the ones who put the zombies there. And then, like, he puts out the book, and the book starts coming out, and they're like, where are the aliens? And he's like, it's coming. And then the book gets so successful, they just forgot about it. And it was just a straight-up lie. But now it's the final season of The Walking Dead. I'm like, if you actually want to make me a fan, just say it was aliens. Bring the aliens. Bring the aliens. aliens. (laughs) Well, I I, I mean, to your point about this being, like, The Walking Dead, you know, one of the kind of central mysteries of why the last man is like why did this plague start Mm -hmm. much like the and much like the walking dead we never really get there like it's it's not about that it's about the journey the world after this happened so is that satisfying to people in the same way that like we never find out like what what caused the zombie plague in in the walking dead i don't know but uh, i wish everyone the best of luck because it does it looks great the performances are very good it just thus far was not for me. When we come back, Rosie and I will be diving into Marvel's What If. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, welcome to the airlock. Today we are going to talk about, uh, we're going to look forward to what if. This is kind of going to come out on a Wednesday, so we're going to uh, miss, unfortunately, uh, the what if uh, Killmonger saved Tony Stark episode, which which is what we expect to be that episode. But let's talk about what if, let's talk about the previous episodes, some of the comic stuff, and then let's uh, take a look forward into what appears to be, based off the uh, the trailer that recently dropped, what appears to be a team-up close to this season. Uh, super, super fun, super exciting. Of course, uh, let's quickly run through the episodes. Episodes one, what if Captain, Captain Carter were the first Avenger? Uh, we introduced Shumagorath uh, into yeah. MCU continuity. Yeah. <laughs> what if T'Challa became Star-Lord? Episode two, super fun episode. Yeah. Maybe my favorite of, of the early run. Episode three, what if the world lost its mightiest heroes uh, in which... Hank Pym, uh, always an asshole in the MCU and and obviously <laughs> a troubled figure in Marvel Comics canon. He just kind of goes uh, Ronin serial killer and decides to kill all the heroes before they can uh, join up as the Avengers. Uh, episode four, what if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? We get uh, evil Doctor Strange, corrupted Doctor Strange in the, uh, in the vernacular of the MCU. Uh, episode five, what if zombies, which... I was waiting for a super fun. Okay, let's pause here for a second. 
I really like this. I really like this episode. Hope's uh, sacrifice hit me. That was really cool. I don't think Stark's armor responds to Zombie Stark. Like, no. I, I don't think it would work. I think that's would, you, would it work? This is my biggest. This is my biggest problem with the episode. Right? I feel like rather than and it's thirty minute episode. I get it, but I feel like rather than doing <laughs> a zombie story that fits into what we love about zombie stories, which is sacrifice, emotional loss. Somebody was like, but what if a zombie had Tony Stark's armor and like Hulk's powers or whatever? Like, it's a cool idea to have superhero zombies, but I don't think that the suit would do that. And I don't necessarily like, it's a cool action piece. And I kind of, in that way, I kind of really respect the vibe of like just doing like 30 minutes of just pure horror action. But there's just choices that... I do not believe that Bucky could just like kill Steve and it wouldn't be a thing. Like th- that is I know that was very unbelievable. Unbelievable. That, that was that was very like we're in the animated world and therefore we're going yeah. to modulate down like the emotional Exactly. Space. Because he definitely was like I should What does he say something like I should feel something? Yeah, but, but I don't. Yeah, cuz he, and he like, kills oh, Sharon yeah. Carter and Cap and he's like peace, like cool. Yeah, um, was- <laughs> and like I don't I, I don't love, like, I, I feel like I get that you want to have stuff from the comics, but, like, I didn't need to see T'Challa be the one getting zombie munched on again. Like, we've seen that happen to him in the comics. They could have changed it. It wasn't, I didn't love it. But you know what? Wonder and Vision, they deserve each other. That we've learned now from this episode. Wonder that, Vision that and this, we've they learned. deserve each other. Those two are. I will say, <laughs> so I, this is an important thing, I think, that does set up. Uh, multiverse of madness and phase four in general which is as we saw uh from wandavision it certainly seems as if we are pivoting towards a wanda who is either a flat-out villain mm-hmm. or is a shades of gray character yes. much like in the comics whose power level makes her either a villain or a hero depending on circumstances. Yeah. And uh that is on the one hand super interesting. Um and also like I guess they're just turning her into Jean Grey in a weird uh, way. But like I you, you I, know, I, I, you know I, that is how it is. You know that that is what yeah, that, I mean even the power set, the way that it's represented here. I mean yeah. That is an interesting thing to note as we go forward is yeah. listen, in the comics, the relationship between Vision and, and Wanda their love for each other causes no end of problems uh, up to and including mm-hmm. Wanda uh, wishing away basically all the mutants nearly. This is on the heels yep. of creating a world in which the mutants had basically won. So uh, yeah, with the manipulation of like her brother and her dad, well, her, her sometimes brother and dad, Magneto and Quicksilver. So this is going to, this is going to be, uh, this is going to be, this is a thing to note going forward because it's it's it certainly seems as if we're yeah. setting up one yeah. to be some sort of villain. Definitely, and they're establishing that Vision will do whatever he needs to do, even in Wonder Vision. Yes. Like he forgives her, you know, like it's it's okay whatever she's done. And in this version, we get to see him doing these horrific things, you know, torturing people, killing people to feed his zombie wife. You know, so these two, like, they're going to cause some trouble and they, they got some problems. They got some marital issues. Do um, we ever get, do you think we ever get Power Man? I, I do believe that there is a version where we see, like, 
Simon Williams Wonderman like version of vision, like real vision. I think that that could happen. I was sure it was going to happen in. I in, thought it uh, would happen in Wonder Vision. I was just sure because it makes so much sense. Because so in the comics, Vision's mind is based on the imprint of uh, Wonder Man's mind, and and then later on when he turns into White Vision, Wonder falls in love with Simon Williams, yeah. and then it's all very dramatic. And and obviously that's not how it was in the MCU yes. because you have. Um, the Tony Stark, Thor, Ultron situation. But I, I do, I think that that is likely another character who was on the yes. Avengers Forever cover. So I, I, I think it is a, a likely turn of events. And I wouldn't even be surprised if we get some hints towards the, the end of What If, after all these episodes that have seemed slightly disparate, apart from Shumagora, yeah. the recurring champion. But like... <laughs> I, I wouldn't be I think we're seeing some things that are going to be seeding into that main MCU. Let's talk about the uh, the mid-season sneak peek trailer, which is uh, super fun, unfortunately. So if you don't, IMDb appears to have uh, spoiled what the, fin- the finale is about. So if you don't want to hear this, uh, turn away now. But it, well, I'll just say that the, it appears that the uh, big bad of what looks like a team up of the various heroes introduced through the uh, over the course of the series who then join together under the moniker the guardians of the multiverse will be fighting infinite ultron which is kind of like a merging of ultron uh with the vision a seeming nod to both the age the comics age of ultron limited series crossover mm-hmm. event and and also like annihilation conquest in which Ultron sends himself out, out into space and becomes like an army of Ultrons and then just starts like knocking off planets. Yeah, and there's even like, there's like what if issues that play on that too. Like yeah. what if Vision defeated the Avengers? So this, it kind of plays on what you were already hinting, which is this idea of Vision and Wanda potentially being these gray area antagonist characters that kind of live outside of that safe bubble of the Avengers. So uh, the tr- the mid-season sneak peek trailer is super, super fun. Uh, and we have four episodes left. Of course, again, this is coming out on the day an episode drops. So I would assume that we get Thor. We ha- we'd have to get Thor. Thor appears in the sneak peek episode. Uh, episode uh he is dead in the in in the canon that we have now killed by hank pym but so i would assume we get thor probably in the in the uh what if killmonger saved tony stark episode uh we still need to get we would need to get tony stark probably from there uh that's where we get killmonger from killmonger is early in this episode uh let's see hawkeye has been introduced spider-man has been introduced uh Oh, here's a fun idea. So we see Gamora in Thanos armor, and we also see Korg uh, in what appears to be Sakaar, and we also see the Grandmaster DJ. Mm -hmm. If, hypothesis, if this is somehow based on Annihilation Conquest or something like that, Age of Ultron, Mm -hmm. maybe... I'm going to say that we're probably getting like a two-part finale in which the penultimate episode mm. is like the setup. We need to, here comes the threat. We need to figure out how to face the threat and then they defeat the threat. So yeah, I think it's some version of, it's possibly some version of like, let's get the infinity gauntlet from zombie Thanos so we can beat this guy. Love that. And when Ultron is 
you know, zooming towards Earth. Maybe he takes out Sakar, and that is how we see Korg and the Grandmaster. Yeah, so I, I'm going to throw in something very fun here. The joys of capitalism. Yes. And uh, <laughs> so I was in Target, and I saw a What If Lego set. Oh. Now, there are two What If Lego sets that have been released. One is What If uh, Hydra Stomper, the cool Captain Carter, uh, Steve Rogers Stomper. And the other one was... The, that one, very cool. I love it. It's a it's a rad design. So that shows that they are making things that are in the show. The other one was Tony Stark's Sakarian armor. Oh. And it was basically Tony in like a Sakar mech. So I do wonder if you're a sen- I think you might be on the right track. I just think that maybe something to do with Killmonger saving Tony is going to end up with them on that space, which is also where we could potentially see Thor. Yes. And it, and something along those lines, but I definitely, I definitely think that the two-part finale makes sense. I think you're going to get the assembling of the team, yeah, and then you're going to get the we gotta fight kind of thing. The big question is, do you think Uatu, like the Watcher, is going to join them? Because I think that will be the thing. I think I, that might be the secret kind of Guardians of the Multiverse helper. I mean, I think they've been hinting at it. Now, listen, Owatu famously does not interfere. In the comics, he does not interfere. In the, what a lie. What a, he has, of course, when in any story, when a, <laughs> when a character who is recurring says, I won't do this, the only way the story works is if you if it is if the creators create the context for that person then breaking that rule and doing yeah. it. So... I feel like Owatu, he has, he has to get involved somehow, right? Like, it has to happen. Yeah. And if you think about, like, just aesthetically, the way the show looks, the animation they use, one of the coolest things about it has been how they bring him to life with, like, the stars and the different representations. So if you're going to have this huge Guardians of the Multiverse team with all these different rad characters, it would be very... It would be a cool visual storytelling thing to have him there alongside them. And, like, in the comics, I think in the Eternals, the 2008 series, the Dreaming Celestial says... He's broken it like 400 times. <laughs> like his his thing not to interfere. And then like one of my favorite ones is in this uh, Fantastic Four comic in the 80s. I think it's like in 1984. The Owatu is like Reed Richards' lawyer. Yeah. Because Reed, <laughs> Reed Richards like saves uh, Galactus or something. But I I feel like especially after the emotional kind of drive behind the Doctor Strange episode, yeah, where you really saw Watu make that choice to not help because it was yeah. all about Strange's arrogance. I think that was like setting his here's the line he won't cross, right? But maybe we're going to get to see the one he will cross. I think we'll see something know? like that. You know, the multiverse is so threatened that, but you know, what does it matter? What does it mean to be a watcher if there's nothing to watch? Exactly. And I think that's when Uatu, and again, we, we it's not actually confirmed that he is Uatu, but we'll just call him Uatu for now. Yeah, yeah, the Watcher. Uh, the Watcher. Uh, I think that is when Uatu decides, fine, I will help you by either providing information about the things that he's seen. Mm-hmm. He knows about these other multiverses. How are they going to get together, right? He's yeah. going to say... I know someone who can help. I know a hero from this other multiverse. Oh, 
Kind of like a multiverse or Nick Fury. Yes. And that is how they will all get together because they don't know about each other right now. So I Mm -hmm. think Owatu will come to a point where he sees the multiverse under existential threat. And he and one of these heroes will appeal to him. How you can't really like I can't do this alone. And then Owatu will say, Okay, fine. I know other people who can help. And then it will probably be up to that hero to figure out how to get to those timelines to, to bring the people in. But I think that's how it happens. Yeah, I think you're definitely right. Because when you even think about the name of the team, the Guardians of the Multiverse, right. that very specific, they are protecting everything. Yeah. It's like Uatu wouldn't save Doctor Strange or the Watcher wouldn't save Doctor Strange's one universe that he messed up with his own selfish gains. But if it's every universe, then surely you have to step in. Because yes. otherwise, do you even exist? Like, you know. For if if people want to get some Uatu comics knowledge, where would you where would you point them to? I think that I do like I like the weird old stuff. Yeah. So like the Fantastic Four stuff, like the eighties, any basically any weird like comic you could pick up in a you know, a, a quarter bin is really my favorite stuff. But there is like um speaking of Jason Aaron again with actually Mike Diodatu, the inv- the Invincible Iron Man artist. Um, yeah, there was an original Sin original Sin series. I think people really, really like dig on that one. Um, that was a fun, like, Marvel it's doesn't like murder do... murder mystery. Yeah, Marvel doesn't do whodunits very often. Stories. And so, like, yeah, th- th- it's like, uh, I I dug the whodunitness of it. I, yeah. would, I would argue that the, that the reveal is not super satisfying, but, like, uh, the journey is, yeah. is pretty fun. Yeah, and I think that I think that I think that also um, just looking for any comics that are cosmic, you'll usually find the Watchers popping up. Yeah, like, I'm a big fan of any kind of like Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity War, that kind of stuff. Like they're always popping up doing some nonsense. The Dreaming, the Eternals, the 2008, which I think is Volume Three series, that has quite a lot of Awatu centric stuff because like Awatu doesn't want to watch when the Dreaming Celestial is born yeah. and stuff like that. So yeah. like I feel like that. The, I feel like the fact that we've got this what if series and my brain does always make connections that are not always true because I just have too much information in there and try and make sense of it but the I was thinking about that eternal stuff a lot and I was feeling like what if right now introducing the concept of the watcher and then having this emergence in the eternals movie and stuff I feel like there's this is again something that could very easily cross over I, I agree with you and then certainly you know as we saw from uh, the announcement for Avengers forever this stuff is a, is it's starting to cross over now. Like once mm-hmm. uh, we haven't seen anything jump, obviously it's too soon. Right. But we, but it's yet to be seen if stuff will jump directly from animated to live action, but certainly jumping from live action, uh, animated to comics is yeah. the next step is, is live action. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I gotta say like, if, what if really, I think they'll, I think they will nail, listen, the animated is, I love animated series, and then this is like again something that I've been waiting for for a long time. I think that if they nail this team up, it opens the door to a lot of really, really fun things. Brad Winderbaum, the head of streaming TV and animation at Marvel, said, um, "Quote: All Marvel projects are in some way connected. There's always the potential uh, with regards yeah. to animation going to live action." Again, I I would imagine it seems to me more plausible that it would go animation to comics to because then it becomes action. canon and then it, yeah know, then it becomes, becomes yeah correct um but yeah it, it's super super funny yeah i also think that like 
you're so right about that. I think that if this lands in the way that they want it to, I just think there's so much space for a mar- a solid Marvel animation because like, yeah, we all have amazing memories of the X-Men 90s show and stuff, but like if you've watched it, like one, wasn't made by Marvel. Two, like the animation is very 90s. That's it the nice way to put it. Like, the, quali- the, the quality of it, you know. And in a world where DC is putting out multiple incredible like cinema level iconic like animated movies obviously you have a space now where because of streaming services people are getting to watch not just classic anime series and and stuff but also like brand new anime at all times like there's always new stuff coming out that's inspiring people this is a space where marvel i think not just can grow but kind of needs to grow well what where dc really took the lead. I think one of the great things that DC has done is they made animated versions of some of their uh, great arcs, great story mm-hmm. arcs. That's the next step if Marvel wants to end, it wants to get into the space. It's like what what do we have in the vaults that? Uh, and I don't think it's a. It, I don't think uh, the story already being adapted for live action, say the Ultimates or something like that. I, I don't yeah. think that's a problem because the live action Me versions are so different. It's different. What what do you think is like the arcs to pick if they're gonna do that? This is what I think is the most obvious thing, right? And I, I I really liked what if, but I would hope that this I think like the Doctor Strange episode specifically, some of the face animation wasn't really like a hundred percent there. Like I I would love to see a a lot of money thrown at a real Infinity Saga, like a oh, wow. real like from the comics. Imagine that sprawling. You it doesn't matter. People have seen the MCU. They've read the comics. They know who Thanos is. You can do Adam Warlock. The Just imagine the cosmos, like the unbelievable adventure, getting to see the duality of all those characters. And then you, if you want, you can even call it like Infinity Saga Legacy yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And it's a way to, once again, reintroduce characters to these things. Now, there's a million other stories that I would love to see as well. Like, why not make a Fantastic Four movie? Yeah. Based on like the introduction of Galactus, you know, you could... You could really do that, that that little short arc. Marvel has so many famous, like, three, four-issue yeah. arcs. But I do think that post-MCU, post what they call the Infinity Saga, if you're going to make an animated movie or, or a series of animated movies, that is a place where you could do something really spectacular that would really make you stand out that is also already accessible to people who love mm-hmm. the MCU. Do you have any that you would, like, love to see? I would love to see a bunch of X-Men stuff, like, take any mm-hmm. of, the, of the great arcs of the Claremont era and just directly yeah. translate them as Guardian Wars, which is mm-hmm. uh, the X-Men and the New Mutants getting wrapped up in a bunch of skullduggery in Asgard would be an absolutely like incredible animated series. Avengers Under Siege, the, the yeah. famous Roger Stern arc in which yeah. the uh, Masters of Evil break into the Avengers mansion and, and basically lay waste to it, and it's up to Wasp and uh, Black Knight and Captain America basically to, to like take it back. Hercules gets his fucking ass stomped in that comic. <laughs> um, you know, like, listen, you know, I, I, Ultimate you Spider-Man up... is kind of like a no-brainer. Like yeah. like the early Ultimate uh, Ultimate Spider-Man arcs are like, if you made a two-hour Ultimate Spider-Man like mm-hmm. movie that's based like right off of the first like 24 issues of that comic, I think that's an, that would absolutely hit yeah i think that there's like a really intro when you brought roger stern as well like i was just thinking of some comics that like so something that i think a lot of people really that especially like people our age people a bit older 
um, the Bob Layton Iron Man stuff where yeah. Tony's like struggling with addiction. Yeah. That's not really going to, they touch on it, a tiny, the tiniest nods in the MCU because they know people care about it. But imagine if you made an animated movie that was actually just about like Tony at his lowest, but kind of coming through it. Like DC has broached that R-rated boundary. You know, they've done the Dark Knight Returns. They've done like these different things. You could use this as a space. I do think the most likely first version of it is seeding stuff, whether you were going to do something that would be really cool, like um, that Jason Aaron, like, uh, see Wakanda and die. Yeah. The secret invasion Wakanda. Like that's a great art. That's really visually interesting that you could really use to set up the secret invasion show, right? That's going to happen. So I think seeding stuff is really what they're going to be doing. But just now talking to you, I just realized that something that's really cool is it could be a space for stories from the comics that we're probably never going to see in live action. Yeah. Little bit more deep cut, little bit darker. I'm not saying born again, like Daredevil, a, born again. Yeah, you know, it's a great exactly. One. But then again, I realized I just jinxed myself because my worst nightmare would be like a trouble animated series about like sexy, slutty, aren't they? And I'm like, that's not, that would well, probably like, be like. I, I don't. I don't think they'll ever. For instance, in live action, people are like, "Oh, Craven's uh, Last Hunt, Craven's Last Hunt." Like that is such a dark comic like rereading it i was but, shocked at yeah. how but it would be an amazing animated film. but as an animated it would be really 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 cool and also yeah. like because you know listen we'll probably never well who knows but like uh a, a very very clean and easy way to do like why not do the classic saga of the of the alien suit like do that do that yeah. You know, uh, Peter comes back from Secret Wars and then the whole thing. Like, yeah. that was such an I, iconic uh, run. I do think that one of the things that people don't really... I talk... Like, I'm always thinking about this. And, and I do think one of the things... The reason why the X-Men cartoon, the 90s Spider-Man cartoon... I think the reason that those really spoke to people, even when they were just kids, right? Is because they did these really, 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 really simplified versions of these iconic arcs. Whether it's, you know... Uh, the phoenix whether it's the black suit like they're not great but you're taking from these stories that have so much depth so to to be able to actually do like a phoenix saga a true phoenix saga or a true you know black suit spider-man but maybe the kind of i mean obviously we know it was sony but like into the spider-verse just opened up the idea of like what animation can be in these stories and i feel like there's so many lessons there for everyone to learn and i think that I definitely thought what if was I had quite low expectations because for a long time my understanding of Marvel animation was those terrible motion comics they would yeah, make those were bad. out of arcs, which no. were like really upsetting to me. I bad. have like a real aversion to a motion comic. I think yeah. it's because they used to sell that Watchmen motion comic in every comic shop for like twenty pounds. Well, I mean, like, it's just like it's just, just make the animated series or don't, Thank but you, don't please, do, right? but don't do this. But but to be honest yeah, with you, I think that what, that was what if blew me away. Yeah, yeah, because that was like that was it was like a step. They I wasn't expecting the animation to be so good. I feel like they found this really dynamic, unique way of telling these stories that represents the characters in a way that you know them, but that has a lot of fun out there stuff that you need from what if. So I'm really excited to see what that next step is and how they could bring, like, I don't want them to get stuck in one animation style. I think the idea of having multiple animation styles potentially inspired by some of these great artists that we love or just doing something totally different that fits the story, I think that's just a really exciting next step. And maybe even a world, you know, Disney is known 
for releasing animated movies. Disney, Pixar, maybe there's a world where we could one day see like an X-Men animated movie in a theater. Like that just warms my heart, the idea that that's something I could see. Up next in the hive mind, I chat with Shang-Chi in The Legend of the Ten Rings star, Simu Liu. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Save big money on protecting your garden. Now at Menards. Messina's Animal Stopper is a liquid repellent that prevents pesky animals from damaging your garden. Available in a convenient, ready-to-use bottle. It lasts for up to 30 days, regardless of weather and watering. Save big money on Messina's Animal Stopper at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals happening now. Save big money at Hey guys. Hello, how are you? I'm really good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. The movie is fantastic. It was a, an extremely emotional experience as a longtime uh, comic book fan to to watch it. Um, and congratulations on not only uh, getting the role, but becoming a Funko Pop and an action figure. When did it um, become real for you? Like, oh my God, we're doing this. Was it the chemistry read? Was it the call from from Marvel? Was it the costume fitting? I think it was Comic-Con. I think it was uh, just been, you know, cast four days and I was asked to fly down <laughs> to San Diego and meet everybody. And I mean, everybody. I mean, we're talking like, you know, post Endgame. Wow. The, like the Comic-Con that happened, you know, Endgame had literally just come out two months prior. Everyone was like, what is phase four? There was all these question marks. Nobody knew what was happening. People speculated, but um, you know, that, that was the landscape that I flew. So it was a very, very exciting year. People from every single upcoming movie, Disney Plus project, they all flew in. And all of a sudden I found myself on stage with Angelina Jolie, with Chris Hemsworth, <laughs> with you know, Sebastian Stan, Anthony Mackie, like just some of the most famous people on earth. And me in in my skinny jeans from Zara. Um, great. I mean, a great, a great outlet. Yeah. 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 Um, no, no, no knock on Zara. But I mean, some, yeah. of these, some of these people were just I mean, they looked like the visage of beauty. And, and then I, I look I just like some schmuck that had just shown up uh, out of the blue, like off the street or just stepped on stage randomly. Um, but yeah, just just being there among among everybody, uh, really really just hit that home for me. It's I mean it's been so meaningful for me as a you know Asian American to 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 watch this happen. Are you like how much are you allowing yourself to feel that to feel like what an amazing moment, especially after what a, a tough year it's been for for Asians in the West, like for to to be that representative figure. I am a, I, I, I think of myself as a representative figure. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it is a, a wonderful moment for our community because we finally, you know, get to have a, a lead superhero. We get to watch a movie um, where the, you know, the title is an Asian, is an yeah. Asian name. 
Um, and I think that's so incredible. But, but further than that, I think there's also, you know, many other Asian characters in our story yeah. that, um, you know, are, are, you know, equally badass, have, have amazing arcs and um, their own dimensionality and, and nuance, which, which is incredible. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've never, I've never kind of shied away from, from being one of, you know, some, somebody who's, who's outspoken about that. I think uh, I owe a lot of my career to, to, you know, the gates opening and, and Asian creatives being allowed to tell their stories from Kim's Convenience to, yep. you know, Nora from Queens, Fresh Off the Boat. I mean, uh, without the community, there literally is none of, none of those things. So um, I'm very happy to, to be one of, their, one of their many representatives and to, and to speak out about, about issues that I think affect us. Our communities come out in a, in a massive way for us. I mean, it's, it's massive way. Numbers, it's in, anecdotally just what I see on the street. It's what I, it's what I see all my friends blowing up my phone and saying, Hey, I'm going to watch it again and again and again. Um, I think people really are rooting for the success of, of this movie. And it's, and it's just absolutely, it's so touching to, to see the community all galvanized. It's an absolutely terrible day uh, for, for your enemies and for the enemies of anybody who doubted this film, uh, it's it's crushing right now. It, it must it must feel amazing that you're doing it. The the movie is a is a hit. I mean, it it feels it feels great. It feels great to share it with the world and to and to see them to feel their response to it because we've been sitting on this thing for for so yeah. long. We filmed it, you know, a year ago in Sydney, and um, I mean. We, we, we knew that we had something special. I, I knew right off the bat that Destin was a, was a very special filmmaker, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I couldn't have imagined the way that the, the, you know, the series of events that, that would have played out to lead us here. It's been tough, you know, um, for, for the whole world and yeah. for, for a number of reasons. So I'm, I'm really not the only one uh, who's going through it, but uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's it's a happy ending to to a movie that almost almost didn't get made. Have you allowed yourself to like eat a carb yet? Uh, you, uh, you're training for this. Uh, you talked about it, but must have been incredible, uh, very arduous uh, physicality throughout these uh, the various scenes in this movie. Um, what was that like? Do, doing like real hardcore action fight scenes um it was it was really cool it was uh you know it was it was like preparing for a season of professional athletics it was like training five six hours every day you know with the stunt team and working everything from like the range of motion the flexibility to explosiveness fight choreography martial arts i mean i mean it was it was as much of a of a martial arts boot camp as you could get and um (laughs) I'd often just kind of come home and collapse on the bed and, and like literally sleep at like 8 p.m. because I was so tired. I literally had no energy to even like eat dinner. I mean, that's the that's I think what it what it takes, you know. Um, yeah. Knew that we had so many action sequences and and we had a very very high bar for what those sequences were going to be, what they were going to do for our movie. So, um, you know, I, I wanted to do as much as I possibly could. I, I knew that that would benefit the movie if we didn't constantly cut away to stunt people. Um, so wherever I could, I, I asked to do the shots. I asked to put in the work because, you know, you, you don't get an opportunity like this every day. And I just, I just wanted to 
embrace it as much as I could. There's so many fun set pieces in the film, whether it's the bus fight and the fighting the outside of the building. Um, do you have a personal favorite? It you know whether it's a, a fight scene, an action scene, or just a quieter moment that that you just find yourself thinking about and returning to? Yeah, I I personally actually really love the fight between uh, Shang Chi and his and his dad. Yeah. Um, the you know just that whole journey and I and, it, and it's not the most intricately choreographed. Like it doesn't take place on the side of a building or a bus, but it is so emotionally raw. And I, and I remember, you know, being there with, with Tony Lung in, in that moment and, and going through that scene and feeling just the very real emotions that were, that were, I think we were both feeling. Um, you know, I, I, I think when I watch it back, I still get chills because it, it is so much more than, than a fight, you know, and, and sure, by the numbers that a, as a fight, it's, it's relatively straightforward. One guy's got a stick, one guy's got two yeah. rings. um but uh but there's just you know there's just a world of like trauma and grief and anger which is being hurled at each other um this father and son that are just so desperate to connect um and and so desperate to love again it's it's really you know i think i find it really sad and heartbreaking but but also just like so human and and so watchable uh spoiler shang is now in possession of the ten rings uh, at the end of the film, uh, can you tell us a little bit about like what they do or where they come from? And if you can't, do you know? Do you know like the origins of these uh, mysterious and powerful items? No. What? <laughs> my journey. My journey is exactly the same as my characters, which is yeah. oh, there are those giant ass rings that um, my dad's been wielding around for the last however long. Oh shoot! Now they're on my arm. Well, yeah. I don't know. I guess I'll just, I guess I'll just carry these around until someone tells me what they're doing or what they what they were. You know, I I, I honestly have no idea. But I do know that that uh, you know Kevin and the rest of the folks at Marvel um, mm. do, and they will they will craft a a, a very very incredible. Uh, story around it when the when the time is right which may or may not involve me i have no idea uh what's it like to see yourself now as a funko pop as an action figure i also have your action figure on the on the shelf behind me <laughs> what is it that must be surreal what is it like um surreal you described it um yeah. it definitely throws me for a loop every time i see it um i mean i was a big action figure guy when i was when i was little except we couldn't afford to buy any action figures full price. So my parents just bought whatever was at yard sales, you know, <laughs> all over the place. So I had this like mismatched group of, of random action figures from random universes. Um, none of them were ever Asian, not a single one. Um, so it's, it's pretty cool that we have, we have, some now not just one but um yeah many characters and and i i just think that represents um represents a lot for for a kid to be able to to be able to see themselves in the in the heroes that they play with and that they you know use their imagination for and i think in a way shows them that anything is possible you mentioned uh just the outpouring of of fan reviews and feedback and stuff. Has there, has there been anything that, that's particularly touched you 
in terms of people saying, oh, it's incredible to see this, to see myself represented on any number of the characters, by any number of the characters that I see on screen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's definitely very special for me to hear. And, I, and I've heard it a couple of times. Um, you know, I've, I've read it in reviews. I've, I've had people text it to me. And, and that's always incredibly touching. What, what I like, too, is that a lot of people will say, I didn't, you know, people, people maybe outside of the Asian community will say, mm. um, I didn't go in expecting to like this movie, but I came out of it with a whole, you know, I, I came out loving it. It was one of my favorites, um, you know, movies in the MCU. And I came out of it with a whole new understanding. And it, it means that, it means that this movie is more than just about being made for Asian people by Asian people, that, that this movie can also be a bridge. You know, it's a bridge between cultures. It's a bridge between languages. It's, um, you know, um, it really is an invitation to everybody to come and share in our joys and our sorrows and, and everything in between, you know, and, and our culture and our language and all of the things that make us proud. Um, and, and yeah, I, I certainly hope that it continues to do that. Uh, if you could just imagine something, I know you can't tell us specifically, but where would you, what kind of like adventures would you like to see? Shang show up on next like are we going to see him uh, punching a variant Thanos in the face with the ten rings like what what would be a fun what would be a fun uh, adventure for Shang to go on um I kind of hope I kind of hope that he does more you know grounded stuff you mm. know like I think uh, the way that the 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 rings have such a massive power set and I and I just hope that it doesn't come at the cost of really really cool action sequences because because you know one of the things that really worked with our movie is that you know Sean Sean doesn't really have superpowers so yeah he's got to fly he can't just fly through the scaffolding he's got to like <laughs> climb and, and, and same thing with the bus like he can't just blow the bus in half and you know or, or lift the entire but like he's got to really work within the constraints of the physical universe so I, I I would you know I hope that that happens at least a, you know a little bit more he's got to go back to being a valet he's just you know he's got to apologize for taking time off and and go back to parking the cars <laughs> like, I... exactly back to San Francisco thank you so much for taking the time Sima really appreciate it and congratulations on the success of the film uh it's been a, amazing to watch thanks man really appreciate it great talking when we're back Rosie and I will enter the end game Welcome to the end game, where me and Rosie get to play a game, sometimes with a, with a guest, this time just with each other. And the game today is Top Fives, in which we list our top five apocalypses in pop culture across the board. We have decided, because we make the rules, that dystopian fiction is also allowed. We can do dystopia. <laughs> yes, um, it's allowed. So, so Rosie, would you like to go first? Yes. Okay. So I have very specific uh, reasons for my. So yeah. my first one is Night of the Comet, which is like oh, this that's a great eight. one. Yeah, yeah right. One. Yeah, that's what I call the chill apocalypse because I it's like, like that one. You can just be like in the mall or like watching a movie, I and you just like occasionally movie. kill like a slow zombie. I I used to work in a cinema, and I used to definitely like think that I was the main character from that movie. I'd be like, yeah, I'll just come out of the middle of the night if there's an apocalypse. I'll be cool. Um, next is Akira. Oh, just because yeah. I, I mean, I just want to be cool and be live in Neo Tokyo. So obviously, post destruction of Tokyo, very dramatic. People are getting mutant powers. There's cool gangs everywhere. Everyone's riding a sick motorcycle. Um, 
I love Akira, so that would definitely be high up on my list. Tank Girl. Oh, Tank Girl. Movie yeah, or, so or the comic? I'm going to go with the movie just because it fits better because it's like post a comet. There's yeah. like a drought and a water show. It's so tech. Again, just be cool driving around in a tank, looking cool, having a cool lesbian friend, like living life. Hmm. Um, next up is my comics one, which is Age of Apocalypse. I don't think it would be like particularly enjoyable to be there, but like it's very epic. Yes. And there's a lot of like shenanigans. Yes, there. there are a lot of shenanigans. So like legions killed charles xavier instead of magneto and that means apocalypse comes earlier and things are going bad mutants are running right hopefully i'd be a mutant in that world i guess if i get to pick because otherwise humans are getting killed but just like cool mutant uprising stuff um and my last one which is definitely more dystopian but we agree that works escape from new york that's the oh, cool that's apocalypse yeah maybe escape from la if i want to do like some surfing but i'm bad at surfing so i the I'll dope. With- <laughs> yeah i number one <laughs> That's my, that's yeah, my Donald Pleasant. Cool, hang out with Kurt Russell, have the sunglasses. Uh, you're what, the what dope. Are yours? You're the dookie. <laughs> I number one. Here's, uh, here's Donald Pleasant's in Halloween. No. No. <laughs> okay. Um, those are all great. So I'm going to say my uh, number, uh, first one is 28 Days Later, the movie which kind of revitalized the zombie genre, you know, along with... Uh, Max Brooks's uh, mm-hmm. what's the, the name of the book? Sorry. World War Z. Uh, it, along with Max Brooks's uh, World War Z, and introduced fast zombies into uh, the pop cultural canon. That movie, it, so it was produced. It was filmed before nine eleven, but came out like I, I want to say a month later, right around there, and. It seemed so of a time, of that time, and I remember seeing it in the theater and just being, like, horrified and blown away, and also just, like, enchanted by, the, like, the low finest of it, like, the kind of mm-hmm. guerrilla filmmaking, London, completely, like, abandoned. They filmed it at, like, 6 a.m. on Sundays when <laughs> there was the least amount of people that could be around, and it just looks incredible. Uh, next, I'm going to go uh, Time Runs Out. Uh, the Jonathan Hickman storyline that ran in New Avengers and Avengers and is about a a version of which I'm sure we'll see in the MCU, which is about various uh, multiversal realities crashing into the main Earth reality and the kind of moral lines the heroes have to cross in order to deal with this threat. Next, uh, Children of Men, which is like a prophetic movie. Like if you watching it at the time, it's one of those very rare feelings. You know, it was a Christmas movie. Weirdly enough, I remember seeing it and thinking this feels like the world in 10, 15 and or 20 years. And lo and behold, Mm -hmm. it happened. Uh, Days of future past the, the comic arc. It's crazy. You mentioned earlier in the podcast, like these little two and three mini arcs. Mm -hmm. That was like the norm back then when it was harder to keep track of comics and it was, it was just harder for people to like keep up with them and, and know what was going on. So you couldn't really stretch a story out over 10, 12 issues, you know, not until like secret wars and stuff, but, uh, the two, uh, so it's X Men, uh, one forty one and one forty two, and it's just is iconic. The cover of one forty one, which is like old Wolverine and Kitty Pride, Kate Pride standing in front of a, a, a wanted poster of all the X Men, and it just says like slain over their <laughs> over their faces is just 
it's one of the most referenced and iconic covers in comics yeah. history. I love it. And then finally, uh, Armageddon, which I think is the most entertaining right wing movie ever made it is about uh, for those of you don't know is about a a massive comet that's uh, gonna hit earth and the conceit is yes we have nasa yes we have like astronauts yes we have like our 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 massive (laughs) military uh, machine but the only people who can deal with this are uh, the oil workers oil company workers and what do they want in order to deal with this they want a to never pay taxes again. That's what they want. So that is the movie. Also, it opens with an iconic scene of like Bruce Willis, like hitting golf balls at a Greenpeace boat. Um, Again, (laughs) the politics of this movie are horrific, but I enjoy watching it. What are your top five apocalypse movies, dystopian fiction? Uh, I almost did Mad Max, but it seemed like that apocalypse was too far in the past. Like that was, it had already happened Maybe a hundred years ago or something like that. So I, I, these are our top fives. What are your top fives? Get at us, uh, tweet at us, post at us. Let us know what your top five apocalypses are. Well, that's it for our show today. On behalf of Rosie and myself, thank you for listening. Uh, please tune in again wherever you get your podcast. X-Ray Vision is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Chris Lord and Saul Rubin. The show is executive produced by me and Sandy Gerard. Caroline Reston and Carlton Gillespie are our consulting producers. And our editing and sound design is by David Grinbaum. And the folks at Chapter 4, thank you to Brian Vasquez for our theme music. See you next time. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Save big money on everything. Now at Menards. Make quick work of your outdoor cleaning project with Master Force Outdoor and Landscaping Tools. The 80-volt cordless trimmer is powerful, efficient, and hassle-free. So you spend less time working on your yard and more time enjoying the results. On sale now through May 19th. Check out our wide selection of Master Force tools and see the rest of our deals on Menards.com. Save big money.